says, And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. I want to talk to you for a few moments about the blessing of not being offended. Blessing of not being offended. Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. And we make a lot of assumptions about God as religious folks and Christians. And sometimes we make statements like, uh, the Lord is a gentleman. He won't force his way in on anybody. He stands at the door and knocks, quietly knocking, patiently waiting. But maybe I want to jar you just a little bit this morning to let you know that sometimes the Holy Ghost works in ways that uh, that's very bold. Sometimes we act like we think that the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost, uh, is kind of shy and skittish and like we just, uh, you know, if a baby cries, it'll mess things up or something. But the fact of the matter is, the Lord is both. And the Holy Ghost will sometimes do things that offends people. The Holy Ghost will sometimes ask things of you that if you're not careful, you will become offended in. Because it doesn't think on the level, the Lord doesn't think on the level that we think on. We are often overly concerned about our reputation. Our dignity, our uh, self-image, and I don't think that the Holy Ghost is just greatly concerned about those things. Amen. God intended His church, and it was born in the fire, the flame of a Holy Ghost revival. And from that very first outpouring that birthed the church, there was marvelous manifestations of the power of God amongst them. People from all nations gathered there in Jerusalem for that great feast were astonished to hear these folks speaking in languages that those people did not know. The speakers didn't even know. They were shocked that they were speaking in these languages. And some of them heard them speak in their own languages from the country from which they came. This was very, very strange and odd behavior. This didn't happen down at the temple where they were all going for the the the, the ceremonies and the uh, the... The, the things that have been done for thousands of years since God instituted temple worship, this the religious leaders were not prepared for this. Uh, the, the the average person was not prepared for this. It was it was 
odd. It was strange. It was, in fact, uh, it did not even seem dignified. They said, these men are drunk. Isn't that right? And we're part of the same church today. God wants to work in His church in ways that go outside the ordinary of human experience, outside the ordinary of ritualistic religion, and do things in the now and the present that is astonishing sometimes, shocking at times, and will offend some people sometimes. That's the way it has been since the birth of the church. And it was never God's intention for us to just get it all figured out so that it becomes kind of like old hat and it doesn't surprise us or shock us or cause someone who first encounters it to become a little disturbed. Paul taught in his letter to the Corinthians, brethren, covet prophecy and forbid not to speak with tongues. You know there's churches where they forbid folks to speak with tongues? I know that may, uh, you know, that, that, that may run counter. I, I mean, you know, some of you were raised in Pentecostal churches, but, but uh, and, and we, we kind of forget that there are places where they absolutely forbid speaking with tongues. There are places where they've been known to put their hand over people's mouth when they started talking in tongues and stop it. There are my wife has seen that. There, there are churches where there are people, there are ushers that will come and usher you out. If you allow the Holy Ghost to operate the way God designs. And so, forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things, then it says, be done decently in order. That's where folks get hung up sometimes. Because they, we think that that is the way that we see decently and we see order. But sometimes God's decent and God's order looks like a bunch of drunk folks. Right? Paul's instruction to them not to bridle the operation of the the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, he, he, he also instructed them, you know, how to deal with it when it's the flesh. But sometimes folks can just get in the flesh and operate like that. But sometimes the Holy Ghost operates in ways that don't conform to our sense of order and respectability. And that's, uh, that, that was not the case in the Old Testament church. And, and in the great revivals throughout history, it's not been the case. There are two things that are abundantly clear. First of all, the Holy Ghost doesn't appear to be real concerned about our reputation. Amen. Those folks in the upper room, I don't think it really enhanced their respectability in the community when they were seen acting that way. Now, Peter preached to all those folks that were gathered from all the different places and they were asking questions and all of that. He, he, he preached and gave them a biblical answer for what they were seeing and all of that. They, 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 they said, you know, how is it that these men speak in a language? But he also dealt with those uh, Hebrews, Jewish folks, that 
were accustomed to normal Jewish worship, and they were saying, these men are full of new wine. He, he had to deal with that as well, and he did in his message. He let them know that it might look like chaos and all of that, but nevertheless, it was the work of the Holy Ghost, of the Spirit of the living God. And another thing that is clear from scriptures that in contrast to the polite, shy, gentlemanly image that we sometimes get in our heads about him, God sometimes intentionally offends people. I don't make statements like that without biting it up the scripture, so let me just show you. 1 Corinthians 1 and 21. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. They were trying to go through the standard methods of, of, of un human understanding to, to understand God, but it didn't result in them knowing God. The Bible says it pleased God. Say it with me. It pleased God. It pleased God. By the foolishness of preaching. God was pleased to do something that was shocking to them and run counter to their sensibilities, it pleased God. <laughs> By the, the, the world, man, they're, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to think about this thing and do this thing the right way. And, and, uh, and, and, and the Lord says, all of that never got them anywhere. And God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to confound those folks. I'm going to do something that's going to offend them. Probably. I, I, I'm going to choose. I'm going to use the foolishness of preaching. It's foolish to them. But that's what I am choosing to use. For the Jews, it goes on to say, require a sign. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified Amen. unto the Jews a stumbling block. And unto the Greeks foolishness. God intentionally put a stumbling block on there. Something they would get offended in. Intentionally use something that to them would appear foolishness. It pleased God to do that. Paul warned the Galatian church that if they, if they continue to require circumcision as demanded by the Jews, that Galatians 5 and 11, then is the offense of the cross ceased. Now we're like, oh man, we don't want to offend nobody, right? That would be a good thing if, if the offensiveness of the cross ceased. Paul warns them, he said, no, no, don't do that. We need the offense of the cross. What's that saying? By design, the gospel is offensive. It's intentional. Jesus goes and beats 5,000 people. That's an incredible miracle. From just a handful of food, he breaks it, prays over it, beats 5,000 people. And those that witness that and eight of that bread were not satisfied. And they came to Jesus and they basically said, you can read it for yourself. 
John 6 and 30. What sign showest thou then? They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? They said, Our fathers did eat manna in the desert, bread in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus takes a boy's lunch, feeds 5,000 people, an incredible miracle of creation in his very hands, and they said, that's not good enough. Our fathers in the wilderness were fed with bread from heaven. Do that. Do that. Jesus didn't give them that sign. In fact, here's how he responded. He said, I am the living bread. Which, listen to this. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Verse 51, John chapter 6. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Alright, so they're like maybe a little taken back by that, but listen to what he says next. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I that I will give is my flesh. Which I will give for the life of the world. Verse 53. Then Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood and eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Don't you know that just offended them? It, it like went against everything they believed. And Jesus didn't like, you know, water it down, uh, sweeten it up a little bit or nothing. It's like he he, he starts in on it. He just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. He's, he, it's like he's trying to offend him. So he eat my flesh and drink of my blood and eternal life. And I will raise him up in the last day. He offended them in their minds theologically. Everything about what he was saying. This bread that he said he was the bread that came down from them. He offended them in their expectations, refusing to give them the sign that they asked for, and he offended their sensibilities and all, dignity and all of that by suggesting that they would have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. I can imagine them saying, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You are not of God. We're not listening to this, this battle anymore. Get out of here and get out of our lives. You know what their response was? Here it is, John 6 and 41. The Bible says they complained about him. Verse 52, they, they quarreled amongst themselves. And if that's not enough, even his disciples, many of his disciples, listen to this, verse 60. Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Verse 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? I mean, he, he like almost went out of his way to offend them. And he said, does this offend you? Listen to verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Hmm. All through the Bible... God reveals himself as, you know, many things. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Bread of life. 
the living water. He's all kinds of things to, uh, you know, to us. But, but I want to tell you something else. He's also a God who sometimes chooses to offend folks. He does it for a reason. First Peter 2 and 8 says, A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But we preach Christ, him crucified, 1 Corinthians 1, 23. To the Jews, a stumbling block. To the Greeks, foolishness. Those folks that were bound by their traditions and their expectations of how God operates were offended in him. But Jesus knew their hearts. He knew that most of them loved their tradition more than they loved God. So what does he do? He offends them. Because it's going to reveal their heart. That's good. That's right. That's good. He knew that there were a lot of folks following him who had mixed motives. And so he does something that's going to reveal their true motives, their hearts. He intentionally offends their minds. His methods, it, it reveals our self-pride. His methods will reveal our self-sufficiency, their, their fake worship. It, it all shows up when Jesus offends. You remember Naaman in the Old Testament. Naaman uh, had leprosy, and he goes down to an enemy people. He's the captain of the army of Syria. He goes down to Israel because he's heard there's a prophet in Israel and uh, that he can be healed if he'll go down there. So he goes down to the prophet and he goes to the door of the prophet and he uh, he, he wants to know, can, you know, can I be healed? The prophet does not even come out on the step. Doesn't even come out to be seen of him. He just sends a servant out to tell him, all right, go down to the river Jordan and dip seven times. You'll be healed. Now, the Jordan can be a very, very muddy river. It offends me. Why this river? Aren't there better rivers than this where I come from? Why would I have to do it this way? Why would I have to get down there and get ugly and muddy? I'm a person of importance. And there's better rivers than that. I'm not getting down in that thing. I'm not going to do that. But you know what? There was desperation in his heart that eventually rose above his pride and caused him not go down once, or twice, or three times, or four times, or five times, or six times, but seven times. One time would have been kind of like enough, you know. That is disgusting. That is that. This is so beneath me. This is. I hope nobody's watching. But no, seven times. I mean, it's like designed to be offensive to him. I said he went away angry, he went away in a rage at first. But because there was such a desire in his heart, it revealed some pride he had in him, didn't it? But then when he did, he was healed. Proverbs 3 and 34 says, But the scorners, 
But he scorneth the scorners, for he giveth grace unto the lowly. James 4 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. First Peter 5 5. Likewise, you other people submit yourselves to the elders. Be submissive to one another, be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud. They're all quoting from the Old Testament. But gives grace to the humble. The New Testament apostles preached the message that you better get your pride under control because God gives grace to the humble. But he will not just overlook, not just kind of, okay, well, we'll just, just not pay attention to. He resists the proud. He will offend the proud. Therefore, Peter said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You see, God knew that Naaman's stumbling block of pride was his big issue. And once he dipped, once he was willing to get that pride under control and do what was asked of him, there was a flood of healing that came over him. Leprosy represents sin in, in, in Scripture. And so it, it, there was a healing that took place in him. And, and I'll tell you, sometimes not only we get offended at God's methods, but sometimes we get offended at who God chooses to use. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.27, that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, bunch of unlearned fishermen, and yet they're turning the world upside down. Caesars are having to try to figure out what to do. And the base things of the world, things which are despised, hath God chosen. Things the world despises, God chooses. Things which, uh, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. I know that's a lot broader than just Somebody who operates kind of strange and different to us and all that kind of stuff. But but I'm telling you it applies as well. Where in the Old Testament do you see a precedent for Paul sending out or allowing to be sent out handkerchiefs and aprons and things? Amen. That he had worn that folks could be healed by. There is no Old Testament precedent for that. Amen. He was operating out of the box, strange stuff. Amen. But Acts 19 and 12 says, So that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the disease left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. You think he didn't know what was going on? You think that they were sneaking around and stealing his handkerchiefs or something like that? I absolutely believe he knew exactly what was happening and may very well have encouraged it. Amen. But nonetheless... Amen. There were folks who were being healed. Devils were being cast out. Diseases were leaving them. That's what's happened. Don't forget that Jesus spit on the ground and made mud and stuck it in a blind guy's eye. How bad do you want to be healed? How bad do you want God's blessing? How bad do you want to be able to see? Are you willing to, 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 to get your pride under control? And say whatever he says, that do. That's what Mary said. It caused it to be better wine than they'd ever had. Amen. They said, you've saved the best for last. All Mary said was, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Right? So they go, they, they get the containers that is designed to carry foot washing water, and, 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 and they and, and they make sure they're full of water, 
and he turns that into wine, and here they're drinking, drinking wine out of the foot washing vessels. Jesus sometimes, you know what? Not only did he operate differently, but folks were offended in him as well. Matthew 7, 15, Beware of the false prophets who come sheep's clothing in where they arrayed in wolves. We should know them by their fruits. Men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles. In other words, what Jesus said is we judge by the fruit, not by the method. Unless the method, of course, runs counter to Scripture. If it breaks a written, biblical text, then obviously we have authority to judge that based on the Word of God. But remember that sometimes God operates in odd ways. I want to make room for the Lord to work around here. Jesus said we're not to judge by the methodology and all of that unless it violates the Bible. But judge by the fruit. What, what is the purpose of everything God does? All the miraculous things he did in the New Testament church. All the gifts of the Spirit that were in operation. Uh, what, what was the purpose? The Bible says it was the same Spirit that worketh with all. And there was a common purpose to what he was trying to do. Those things in themselves were not to be uh, lifted up and put on a pedestal. All they were, were were tools. All they were were vessels. And when we get to lifting up the vessel, amen, we, we get out of the book. We get out of order. We get out of God's design. That is a vessel that is designed for a purpose. The purpose is what is important. And the purpose is to glorify God. Amen. The purpose is to have God work in His church. Amen. So that the gospel can be preached in all the world. And we don't need to uh, forget that it's not about the individual. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the prophet. It's not about the gift of the Spirit that may be in operation. It is about God. Crucified. Crucified. It's a stumbling block to some folks. But he said, I'm going to preach it to the Lord. Because it's going to reveal their hearts. And that's the only way they can be saved, is their heart gets revealed. What, what is it that God's trying to do with things like this? What's God trying to do with this anointing that comes? What's God trying to do when, when we get into uh, intercession and, and, the, and, and praying in the Holy Ghost and God is moving. God's opening things up and doing stuff. What's the purpose in all of this? I'll tell you what the purpose is. Amen. God has a design. God has a specific thing He's trying to accomplish in this world. It's not so you'll be more comfortable. It's not so you'll look better. It's, he, he, he is not that concerned about how you look. He's more concerned, amen, that He gets glorified. He's more concerned that everybody knows, amen, there's something different about this. Amen. God's hand must be in this. The Lord is at work here. God is trying to move us into a a place where he can use us in this end time hour like never, never before. I plan to nurture and administrate things that I hadn't even seen before. Because God has designed his church to operate in those things. 
It's not unequipped to do it. We have the Word of God. We have the preaching of the Word of God. And we can see it happen. It's not just about sound doctrine, although that is very important. Neither is it just about some kind of sign, or wonder, or miracle, or manifestation. But we can have both. That's the way God wants it to be. Genuine, real Christianity is biblically sound, doctrinally sound, but it's also vibrantly experienced. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Tell you what God's trying to do. He's trying to bring his word and his spirit together in us. And now we put the word right over here, you know, on the shelf somewhere. We go back and check it, you know. And and but but then then things are happening out here. We we can't really explain everything. We go back here and that's what we're doing, you know, what we're kind of trained to do and all of that. But what God is trying to do is bring it all together in us. This is God's purpose. Someone said, if we have the word without the spirit, we dry up. If we have the spirit without the word, we blow up. But if we have the word and the spirit, we grow up. Hallelujah. I still believe in joy unspeakable. And full of glory.
because he wants to get rid of our, our, our religious pride. He wants to get rid of our self-satisfaction. I'm going to deal with that right here real quick before I close. He wants to get rid of our self-satisfaction because sometimes we're just satisfied with ourselves and what we are. We're satisfied with our condition. We're satisfied with where we're at. We're satisfied in ourselves. We get to where we can preach all right, we're happy. We get, we, 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 you know, first we're nervous about scares us half to death. First time somebody sings in front of the crowd, they're, they're nervous, but after a while they get used to it. After a while they learn, you know, I can sing that song and I just put that extra note right here in the song. It moves the crowd a little bit and they get to where they depend on themselves. They depend on themselves. We can't depend on ourselves, folks. It's got to be the work of the Holy Ghost. God's got to get the glory. It's not so a man can get the glory. It's not so when it's done, everybody stands and claps and says, Oh, man, that was good. That was good singing. That was good preaching. That was good. No, 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 no. That's, that's all you get. That's what you get. But it's not about what we get. It's about what God gets. That's our only glory. That's the only praise you're going to get. If you're working in yourself, but if you want to get to the place, you get rid of your spiritual pride and you stand up and preach what they say in the word of the Lord. What I'm telling you is today, God will get the glory and no flesh. And then the Lord's pleased. Blessed is he that is not offended. Blessed is he that is not offended. It doesn't get offended. I believe God wants us to have a dynamic relationship with a living God. And you can't reduce that down to some formula, down to some program, down to some one, two, three, or ABC or something. You do these things and you'll have the blessings of God. And God will, God will just pour out and God will bless and God will have, He'll smile upon you if you'll do this. Amen. No, 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 no. You can't get it reduced down to that neatly tied up in some kind of little package and say, okay, just do this. Just be a cookie cutter Christian. Just be just like me. I don't want you to be just like me. He wants you to be just like him. And that's what we're trying to get folks today. Amen, too. And when you start, and if you're trying to be like him, there are going to be times it's going to offend you. Because he's a stumbling block. He's a rock of offense. Somehow our hunger, our deep, passionate hunger for that vibrant relationship with him has got to get strong enough that, that drive over towers. That part of us has got to figure everything out and put it in a little box. That's good. That's good. I've known folks who are saying, oh, I'm not ever going to shout like that. You better be careful when you say stuff like that. That's right. That's right. I'm going to tell you, God will require that of you if you ain't careful. Hello? I said, folks said, I'll never run now. I'll never dance. I'm not going to speak in tongues. <laughs> Woo! You, you talk like that, the Lord's liable to allow you <laughs> to get a really good dose of whatever it is you're saying you'll never do. That's just the way that God works. You know why? Because He's trying to get to our root problem. 
He don't want to deal with the, 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 the side effects. He doesn't want to deal with the symptoms. He wants to deal with the root problem. The axe is laid to the root. Search the scriptures, friend, them you think you have eternal life. They're sitting around trying to figure out, thinking out everything. He said, he, he said, search those scriptures. Amen. You think you have eternal life through them, but the fact of the matter is you've got to meet me. He said, and you will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. He said, I know your heart. You know the book from back to back. You, you, you can quote them scriptures like crazy. You're trying to think your way into this thing, and you don't really have a desire to know me. He said, if you if you really want, I'm gonna put an offense up there. I'm gonna put a little stumbling block up here. If you really want it, you're gonna have to get over this. But if you have such a desire in your spirit that says, I don't know if I can put it in a package. I, I don't care if I can or not. What I want is a living God. What I want is a walk with him. What I want is a relationship with him. What I want is something that you can't explain by human terms. I, if you can explain it by human terms, it's just an idol. It's not God. He is so much more than that. John 5, 44, last scripture. How can you believe which receive honor of one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? I'm against this. Paul, oh, brother, you're so good. I'm against it. Paul, oh, and there's some folks who get in almost like a spitting contest to figure out what they say what they're against, you know. They gotta outdo somebody here. And 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 you know, unless you get me wrong here, there are folks on the other side of the road. And the ditch on you know, there's a ditch on both sides of the road. There's folks on the other side that they're they're like, I, I can't. They're trying to they're trying to show off what they can get by with. And the Lord said, I'm the way, the truth. Stumble block, I'm a rock of offense to some, but for those that are really hungry for something to happen, yes, for those that really want revival, amen. For those yep. that really want an apostolic, Holy Ghost operating church in 2019, he said, he said they're going to get over every stumbling block and they're just going to let me be God yes. and let me get the glory. And when that happens, amen, I'm going to pour out. They're going to be healings, they're going to be healings. Those folks who said, He said, No bread down from heaven. I am the bread that came from heaven. Yes, that's right. Well, we see somebody get healed this morning, then we'll really get to pray. If, 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 if God would just open up the windows of heaven and pour out a miracle here today, then now we could gather, we would pray with such fervency. And I Everybody be breaking their knees up here because they want their miracle too. You know what? Be careful. Love God for God's sake. 
him for his sake. Amen. Pray even when you don't see anything happen. Because you say, I believe he is the way. I don't know how it's all going to turn out. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know why this one got healed, that one didn't get healed. But I don't know one thing. I see Christ. I see Jesus. And sirs, we would see Jesus. Amen. In him is everything that I need. And I'm just going to pursue him. I'm going to pursue him when I'm not getting healed. And I'm going to pursue him when I am getting healed. I'm going to pursue him anyway. I'm after him. I, nothing is going to be an offense to me. Nothing is going to get me 